Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome listeners, you are listening to another episode of Brainwaves on 8.55am 3CR Community Radio or you may be streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Kiara and with me today in the studio we have David Parker and... (laughs) Elena. (laughs) Elena, thank you. (laughs) Elena Ashley. Um, David is uh, is currently employed at Jobco in Fitzroy and is the manager of FAMS at Jobco. Um, Jobco assists individuals with disabilities to find paid employment in the workforce. Um, And Elena is the corporate governance manager within Jobco. Um, at the moment, Geelong is currently or Geelong is currently operating um, as a pilot site for the National Disability Insurance Scheme or NDIS. Um, and David and Elena will be talking about the NDIS um, as well as uh, their organisation, or well, not their organisation, the organisation that they work for. Um, so my name's Kiara, and Lauren and Sarah will be interviewing today. Over to you guys now. Okay, so hi everyone. Thank you for coming along to chat with us today. Um, Can you explain for our listeners what the NDIS is? Sure, uh, Lauren. Um, uh, The uh, the NDIS is a uh, system across the whole country, an insurance scheme, and it's to help people who have uh, permanent impacts from health conditions um, to to obtain capacity-building treatments and services to help them improve. Okay, wow, that's really great. Sounds like some really um, fascinating work is being done by mm. Jobco mm. and by the NDIS um, mm. project itself. Mm. Um, can you tell us, please, um, either one of you, um, what does your role within Jobco involve so our listeners have a better idea? Uh, well, my role uh, as corporate governance is actually to uh, check all of our programs, and we actually do quite a few programs besides just disability employment services. We also mm. have community mental health, mm. which David looks after, mm. which is personal helpers. We also have an Indigenous mm. program, which we run down in Geelong mm. and across the state, and we've got a few others as well. So I make sure that we actually do what we're supposed to do because we deal with mm. taxpayers' money. Mm. Mm. And, and as Elena said, I look after the community mental health program, which covers uh, all the FAM services and the carers and work program as well. About 23 staff altogether. Okay, mm. so once the NDIS is um, implemented further into the community, what will your mm. specific roles be? Mm. Or are you just going to continue on? Is there a... Well, uh, what, we, what we're going to do is um, there's a range of services that we're going to provide. Uh, for clients uh, of the NDIS. Uh, The services are going to include things like counselling, carer support groups, adjustment to living groups, uh, healthy living groups, social groups and uh, support coordination. And that's what we would like to do and that's what we're going to do as we uh, um, obtain clients from the NDIS. Mm. Also, individual mm. counselling as well. Jobco's mm. been around for mm. 22 years and mm. we were established mm. looking after mental health for people and we're very well regarded in that area. So we're going to be continuing mm. to do that. With the NDIS, that's a big opportunity for us to assist mm. people in a much more individualised way than perhaps has happened in the past across the board mm. and that's a real mm. opportunity for us 
the organisation, but also mm. for uh, people with mental illness. Mm. Can I just ask, I'm really intrigued, as soon as you said individual counselling, my ears kind of pricked up. Yep. Um, because I know that trying to get counselling, um, especially if, you know, you uh, aren't financially stable, mm. um, which is often, mm. you know, can be the case when someone mm. is mentally unwell, mm. um, getting counselling is a real big issue. So mm. do I hear correctly in saying that this is a free service that you would be providing, well, not you personally, um, but that there would be well, a free kind of counselling that would be available? Well, well, well it, will, it will be. Um, the, the, the way well, the... Uh, the the end the the system's gonna the NDI system will pay for uh, yep. their clients to have counselling. Yeah. So the client won't be out of pocket, yep. uh, but they they'll have kind of like an account, and uh, the money will be taken from that account to pay for the counselling. Yeah. So it's yeah. something that's included as part of like the NDIS, but it won't be something that people will have to actively pay out Not of their at all. pockets for. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. That's yeah. the whole idea of the NDIS yeah. is being set up so that mm. people are assessed initially mm. as to what their needs are and what they actually want, what their mm. goals are. Mm. And then the government through the NDIA, the agency, actually gives a certain amount of money sets aside for that particular person. Mm. And then that person can can then go to various different organisations, including JobCo and mm. all the other ones as out there, and choose mm. who they want to go to just to have their pot of money spent with. Yeah. And they can choose what they want and mm. how that happens as well. Yeah. Mm. So it's going to give them a lot more mm. choice. And that's one of the uh, – I think that's uh, something that you wanted to talk about as well, that um, many of these clients haven't had that kind of certainty uh, in the past, you know, they've had, um, you know, their treatments and their supports have been in, uh, you know, uh, bits and pieces. Uh, this scheme is going to provide some an ongoing um, lot of services for them. Mm. Yeah. Since we've already touched on it a little bit, do you want to just go through the process in a more practical manner? Like how do people actually go about getting help and getting services? Sure. Um, when the... One lot, of, one lot of clients will currently be clients of the Victorian Government um, Health Services and they uh, will be notified and invited to apply to the NDIA for um, you know, an assessment uh, with the NDIA to see whether they're eligible for services or not. Um, another lot of people will be uh, notified by the Centrelink system uh, whether they are invited to apply for it. Hmm. That's my understanding at the moment. And then picking up mm. on one of Kiara's mm. points before, mm. unfortunately, some mm. people with mental health issues are, are mm. homeless or have other uh, problems in terms of stability of where they actually are. So they're mm. not getting in touch with Centrelink regularly mm. or they're not uh, um, contacting their health professionals very mm. often. So the opportunity for them is to actually make connections with these organisations and these people, their old GP and what have you, mm. to actually access the NDIS because that's mm. going to be really important because mm. at the moment a lot of them are not being serviced. Mm. Yeah. Uh, clients who already have um, a service planned through the, uh, the Victorian Department of Health and Human Services, uh, there's a, I've got a number for them to call and that would start the, their the ball rolling for their application to the NDIS. It's a one eight hundred number, um, eight hundred double one zero. So one eight hundred eight hundred double one zero, and they can request uh, a request request an access request form, and that would that's one way that they can apply to the NDIA. Mm. 
for services for the NDIS. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's great to know. Um, there's a lot of information out there and just starting to get our heads on top of it um, is very important. Um, we are also interested in knowing um, what brought about the change from the current system into the NDIS, as it's currently known. Well, I don't know, do we start with politics? Uh, <laughs> a few Prime Ministers ago, um, yeah. there was a desire yeah. to do something better um, for people with disability, but also there has been a huge um, attempt mm. from the disability sector for mm. people with disabilities for mm. years to actually mm. get better treatment, get access mm. to uh, some of that money mm. and that's being spent on their behalf mm. when they have actually had no involvement in how that money gets spent. Mm. And it, it was really developed. Um, they've mm. looked at different organisations in different countries mm. and different models to come up with different ways mm. of doing it and this is mm. the one that they've come up mm. with. Mm. So now it's 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 been developed, mm. it's been piloted, as we said, in Geelong, mm. uh, the Hunter and a couple of other places. They did that for three years and now they're gradually rolling it out through the rest of the country. Mm. And mm. northeastern Melbourne is the first one mm. uh, in the Melbourne area. Yeah, as I said before, that uh, many of these clients haven't had an ongoing uh, stable services in the past. So this is a fantastic opportunity for them to have something that's ongoing and stable mm. and they don't, it will take a lot of worry away from them. Mm. So mm. for the people that mm. are in the... North East. Yep. Are you able to give mm. us a general for our listeners? You know, for people who think, "Oh, am I in the North East or am I not mm. in the North East?" Yeah. Um, I'm very bad with uh, geographic. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. It's about five local government areas. Yeah. It includes the local government area of Whittlesea, Nillumbik, uh, Darabin, and Yarra. Okay. And another one, um, which I can't think. Yeah, I can't think either. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. So it's five mm. north, northern Melbourne local government areas. So basically from Fitzroy Sorry. heading out yeah. um, towards Epping and Whittlesea, that sort of area, and across a bit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So from some of the experiences of the pilot, what are some of the concerns that some of the participants have had about using the NDIS? They had some really good ideas about how to handle uh, and how to deal with people with physical disabilities, mm. so people in wheelchairs, people with vision impairment, hearing aids, or those sort of people. Mm. They didn't have, and they continue, well, yeah, they didn't have much data and information on how mental illness is actually treated in the community. And so initially in the pilot, there was really poor understanding of how to assist people with mental illness, what they actually wanted, what they needed. And over the last three years, mm. they've actually spent a lot of time collecting data on mm. how the people mm. with mental illness are actually accessing mm. services and what they mm. need. So it's in that way, it's actually been really, really useful mm. for people with mental illness. Mm. But there have been some problems along the way in the first mm. two to three years mm. as they work that out. Mm. Um, a, a classic example is people with mental illness will often turn up to an appointment with a doctor or Centrelink or whoever when they're having a good day or they try mm. their best mm. to mm. not show their mental illness, which is actually... Good in some ways, but when you're being assessed as to how much support you actually need, that's a disadvantage. So that's been something that the planners, when they're actually interviewing the people mm. with the mental illness, mm. need to understand. And they're learning that. That's one mm. of the other things mm. about the education mm. of the planners. So they understand mm. what sort of questions to ask people with mental illness. You know, are you usually like this? 
Or do you have days when you can't get up or days mm. when it's really hard to get out mm. of the house or you have trouble in social situations or what mm. have you? Mm. And that's yeah. been really important. And also to say that, um, you know, in the old days, people would, uh, uh, you know, assessment agencies would disregard the carer input and not include the carers in the interview and sort mm. of say to, to the carer, look, you wait outside. We want to talk to Joe Bloggs about this about his or her health condition. And, um, of course, with the NDIA have now recognised that carers, um, the carer experience and information that they have about the care recipient, you know, the person they're caring for, is very valuable, and that will help inform the assessment process, mm. which is a very, a, really a cultural shift in this yeah. sort of area. Mm. Mm. So it's actually, um, you know, taking into consideration the the carer's kind of point of view which is uh, a very mm. new thing i suppose mm. with the mental mm. health act that yeah. came out you know a little while ago mm. that it's actually mm. thinking hey you know this is the person that lives mm. with them mm. you know day mm. in day out they mm. see them when they're at their worst mm. they see them when they're at their best you know let's take yeah. their opinion into consideration absolutely mm. right kira that's right yeah yeah that was one of the things yeah. in the pilot that they realized the first mm. couple of years they mm. hardly mm. had any discussion with the carers mm. and now they've actually included mm. in a carer's statement mm. so when going into the planning mm. uh, planning sessions mm. carers should make a, a caring or a carer's statement as to what their personal goals are and mm. what they want to achieve mm. out of it too mm. So it's really important. Mm. It is being um, mm. increased. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, could I just clarify the local government areas? So northeastern Melbourne, we've got Banyul, Darabin, Nilambic, Whittlesea and Yarra. So Wonderful. that's in that wedge. And what's the number yeah. again, David, that people can call? Do you have the 1800? Yeah, 1800 810. Okay, yeah. fantastic. So the next thing that we're interested in focusing on um, with you guys is uh, just the hustle and bustle, I suppose, that's going on um, within the media, some backlash from um, consumers about the terminology used in the NDIS about um, the need for permanent disability. Could you speak yeah. to that a little bit? Yeah, sure, Sarah. Um, uh, well, we, we, no, one, no one really wants to be told that they're going to have a permanent disability for the rest of their life. And... Um, uh, you know, it has a lot of stigma about it, and and particularly with mental health. And uh, to, you know, in the last few decades, mental health services have been working with a recovery idea that the person will eventually um, be so well that they won't have the disability anymore. But yes, as you're saying, the NDIA have talked about the permanent mental health. Yeah, what we're thinking is that uh, at the time of the assessment, the person may have what's regarded as a permanent mental health disability. Uh, but, you know, as I, was saying, as I was saying before, with some capacity building treatments and exercises and uh, supports, that, that, that um, permanency may, you know, may be uh, uh, faded into the background so that they are able to much better manage their life uh, with more community connection and so on. And, uh, you know, maybe one day the person won't have that disability any longer. But the NDIA probably had to draw a line in the sand mm. where they had to decide how we're going to define this and how we're going to um, clarify what people uh, you know, can be eligible for the service and what, who, who can't. Exactly. And uh, well, it's a recovery. Part of the recovery idea mm. is that uh, you manage your own condition or your, yeah, you manage your own condition to such, such an extent that you can live a normal life. Mm. That doesn't mean from time to time you have mm. to be especially careful. For mm. example, 
uh, I get asthma and I have to manage that. I carry a puff around. I make sure, you know, I'm careful and so on. So I've mm. got that all the time, mm. but I manage it in ways that it doesn't impact on my life at all. This is mm. exactly the same sort of situation. Mm. So following on from that, what's your understanding about the bracket of people who might miss out on some NDIS support? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, we also have that concern. Um, and what we've been uh, informed is that uh, there'll be services around like our FAM service to us to continue to support them. Um, in the future, those services, that could change. Uh, the name of the service might change or something like that. But that, that cohort, will def that group of clients will definitely be continue to be supported. Mm. Right. Uh, thanks very much for that, David. The next up where... Look, we're very interested in the whole idea about the contentious issue um, about those who are affected with uh, periodics, severe mental mm, illness, and mm, um, where mm, they might mm, fall within the NDIS. Mm, How might they be categorised, I mm, suppose? Mm. Well, if they're, if, they're, if they're eligible for the NDIS, then they've been de deemed to have a permanent uh, health condition that's going to have a lasting, enduring impact on their capacity. So... Um, you know, at the time of, as I was saying, at the time of the assessment, it will be regarded as permanent. And, um, okay, there may be episodic periods of, um, you know, uh, exacerbation where the person is, isn't coping so well and periods of where they are coping well. But I think the NDIA is trying to take all that into account and trying to assist them. And, uh, you know, they, the person wouldn't be, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, exited from the program without any notice and definitely without any support. I mean, that would be something that's discussed and reviewed in an ongoing way. Mm. Mm. It is worth mentioning that the plans that are developed with the planner are done on an annual basis. Mm. However, if things change, so for example, people do have a, a severe um, uh, problem, then uh, they can go back and be reassessed and have their needs changed. Um, and, and the whole program changed for them as well. So it is a lot more flexible than it certainly was three years ago when they started the pilot. So they're getting a lot better at it. Yeah. Um, so the NDIS is anticipated to be fully operational by 2019, is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's expected that there will be a lot of trial and error as it is rolled out. How will this confusion and uncertainty benefit the consumer in the long run? Well, what, what we're, you know, what we're thinking, I'll kind of just put in a comment there. Um, what we're thinking is that, you know, they've been trialling it now for about two or three years in about mm -hmm. four, four, three or four different sites around the country. And then they're reviewing what they're doing, their processes, they're fine-tuning them. Like we've said, they're including carers more in um, the assessment process. Um, you know, as Elena said, they're reviewing, they're going to review people's plans every six months or 12 months. Um, and it isn't perfect, but, um, you know, the, the NDI are working at their very best to try to reduce the stress uh, on, on, um, on participants mm. and to review, you know, when the things go wrong and there's mistakes made or things need to be tweaked. That's mm. going to continue to be reviewed 
and uh, hopefully reduce the, any any impact on the on the um, participants. Mm. Yeah, so it's not perfect yet. Oh no, no, and, no. and, and, and it'll, it'll keep going as yeah. as we learn more uh, and organisations learn more and mm. you know the government learns more. It's just mm. going to keep getting better mm. and better. Mm. One of the real benefits it's going to be for consumers or people with mental illness, but any sort of <clears throat> excuse me um, disability, is that they've got choice now and mm. control which they haven't had before, mm. and. It also is an opportunity for them to speak up and actually say what they want, mm. and that's really improving as they get better at that. Mm. And that's one of the things that mm. they have noticed in the pilot areas that people, the consumers themselves, are getting better and better. Mm. <coughs> excuse me, at um, mm. saying what they actually want, and that mm. advocacy element for themselves mm. is really important. Mm. Uh, JobCo does a lot of work with carers, mm. and that's been very helpful um, with that too. And mm. so we will expect that there will be more and more advocacy work and it's for consumers to as they feel more empowered mm. they will actually be able to assist themselves more which mm. is part of their recovery too mm. that's mm. really great um <clears throat> so basically you're saying that um pe- the, these sorts of um, clients will be able to actually have a voice yeah. and they're really being heard now that's within right. the sector that's mm-hmm. right that's is that right. one of the major benefits and would there be a few others that you can think of well that well they'll, they'll, some of the other benefits will be that um, as as Elena's saying about advocate, advocacy for themselves but also they'll be more connected to the community um, they'll they'll be more engaged in in um, doing activities that help their self-esteem help their sense of coping help them um, manage some of their mental health issues um, help them do you know good improvement in in the way they live uh, having good self-care and so on mm-hmm. and you know it's all headed in the same direction which is about how you know the NDI talks about having the person having an ordinary life well we'd like to think that okay an ordinary life can be actually quite extraordinary and very satisfying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. So JobCo is a non-for-profit organisation. What kind of resources can you offer for those preparing for the NDIS or what are some of the must-know information for people? That is a fantastic question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very open-ended question. Well, well, people need to know how to um, access it, um, access the NDIS. Um, We had an information uh, day just last week at our Fitzroy office Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to continue mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. workshops. Mm-hmm. We're actually planning on having those around uh, mm-hmm. neighbourhood houses around the area mm-hmm. that uh, David mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And so actually taking the knowledge and understanding out to where people are because access mm-hmm. and mobility mm-hmm. can be a real issue for people. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do provide and will continue to provide a, a planning um, training process to help carers and people with disabilities come mm. in and actually prepare so that they go into that planning meeting mm. with the mm. um, NDIA, which mm. is the agency running it, mm. uh, to make sure that that plan that they get gives them the best possible deal that they get. So then they've got the most money to go out and actually spend it on the stuff that they really need mm. and want. Mm. Yeah. Is there another one of those information sessions coming up anytime soon? No, no, no. Bummer. Yeah, no, <laughs> now, that no, would have been an opportunity, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. No, but we will, we'll be having one probably, I don't know, three or four weeks' time. Oh, absolutely, like absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. we're certainly going to yeah. have it up on our website, which is yeah. jobcode.com. 
um, com.au mm. uh, and you know, obviously we're on Facebook and all of that too and we've got a calendar of those sort of mm. events so mm. you can absolutely access us and get information mm. and we've got our, our phone number our hotline phone number you've got our Fitzroy phone number there uh, uh, 94156800 yep. and yeah. we can add that onto our page yeah. as well fantastic um, and yeah. for all of our listeners um, we hope to yeah. have David and um, Elena uh, on the show again to check in with how things are going in the NDIS world. Um, mm. So if you have any questions, uh, please email us at brainwaves at mifellowship.org um, and we'll make sure that we mm. ask them next time they're on the show. Mm. So that's we're going to hold you to it. Absolutely. Okay, we promise we'll come. <laughs> that'll be great. Fantastic. All right, so you've been listening to Brainwaves on 8.55 a.m. You can listen to podcasts of our show at uh, brainwaves.org.au, the 3CR website, and on iTunes. Thank you so much, David and Elena, for coming on the show and chatting to everyone or chatting to us about the NDIS and educating our listeners. Uh, and thank you, Lauren and Sarah, for being fantastic interviewers. All right, you can catch us next week. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.